This is Halloween and I love it. Hello and welcome back to Silhouettes, a fashion history podcast all about the importance of the clothes we wear. Now, this is a topic I've chosen because Halloween is probably my favourite time of year, but two, because I think Halloween costuming is such a fascinating little piece of history. It has so many shifts and changes, but also on the whole has always stuck to a central theme. You can also really get a sense of the social and political climate, in America specifically, of a certain era depending on what costumes people are choosing. Primarily, you can deduce this by what is seen as a costume. You can judge what people were fearful of, what was generally popular, how much money people had to buy or make costumes, but also what was seen as desirable. So to start off, I've done my best to summarise the early influences of Halloween. This information I have found either in books about Halloween or on the internet, and I pulled from a few different sources. So hopefully everything I've got is correct. On the whole, these influences sort of share the same DNA, but there are many crossover areas here. There seem to be a myriad of influences. Okay, so Halloween, also known as All Hallows, All Hallows Eve, All Saints Eve and others, is a yearly festival celebrated on the 31st of October. Many Halloween traditions we know and love today were likely influenced by Celtic harvest festivals. Samhain, the Gaelic festival, which had pagan roots, is a likely contender. Samhain, as I found out, was likely Christianised to become All Hallows Day and All Hallows Eve. However, it may be that All Hallows Day actually began as its own Christian holiday, which slowly became known as Halloween, which dates back to around 1745. The phrase All Hallows was also found in Old English, whilst All Hallows Eve specifically was not seen until 1556. The word Halloween means All Saints Evening. In Scotland, this was All Hallows Eve, which was the evening before All Hallows Day. Over time, these names evolved to become Halloween. In terms of pagan roots, Druids would celebrate the end of summer by building sacred bonfires in which people gathered crops and animals to burn as sacrifices to Celtic deities. The Celts wore costumes consisting of animal heads and skins and told each other's fortunes. All Souls Day, which was similar to Samhain, was also celebrated with bonfires, parades and costumes of angels, saints and devils. The All Saints Day's celebration was also known as All Hallows, which as I mentioned eventually became Halloween. The story behind the influences do all cross and merge in terms of origins, but essentially the Halloween we know today is directly influenced by these ancient Celtic, Scottish and Irish holidays, in which costuming was a huge part. However, Halloween is now known to be hugely popular in the USA, and when it comes to costuming this is really where much of the focus lies. Halloween really took off in America in the late 1800s when a great deal of Irish immigrants made the move to the States after the Irish potato famine, and so with them came a great deal of rich and festivals. With this, the popularity of Halloween and autumnal festivities emerged. However, much earlier in American history, as in the 17th century, Protestant belief systems meant that Halloween and these pagan festivals were not taken to very quickly in America, despite settlers from Europe and the celebration of Halloween was very limited. It was much more common in areas like Maryland and the southern colonies. Colonial Halloween parties or festivities featured the telling of ghost stories, tricks and pranks. By the mid-19th century, autumnal festivities were popular, but Halloween was still not what it was to become elsewhere in 
in the country. Also, as I found out from Mina Lay on YouTube, the poet Robert Burns published a poem on Halloween in 1786, and the popularity of this is likely the inspiration for earlier interest in celebrating the festival in America in specific areas. This poem, as she says, went into detail about how to throw your own Halloween-inspired party and how they used to do it in Scotland, and this fired up a lot of Americans to throw these parties and autumnal festivals. At this time, it wasn't quite the Halloween that we know today, which is a family-led festival with trick-or-treating being the main activity for children. In the 18th and 19th century, it was really only celebrated by adults and had much more adult connotations. This is where we see trick-or-treating starting to emerge in the late 1800s, borrowing from these European traditions. Americans began to dress up in various different costumes and go from house to house asking for a treat such as snacks or money. At parties, young people would also believe that they could use divine intervention to give them the name of their future spouse by bobbing for apples, doing tricks with yarn or mirror games. It seems that adult parties were one of the primary ways in which Halloween was celebrated at this time, with parlour games of the spiritual kind being the most popular. With all this in mind, when it comes to costumes, there are some examples of some of these parties in which people wore costumes, and the host, for example, would dress up to invite people to their party. But it wasn't the way of dressing up or costuming that we really know today. There was something called a hag party, in which the host and all of the guests, who were primarily women, were expected to dress up as witches. Again, Mina has a great photo of this on her YouTube video. It was really into the Victorian era when costuming really took off, and costumes were inspired primarily by scary things. Think witches, bats, monsters and things like that. The point was to glamorise and customise something that was seen as scary, bearing in mind the divination and spiritual events that would take place at Halloween parties at this time. This makes complete sense. The Victorians also, as we know, had a real obsession with the spiritual and the paranormal. Even if you just go onto Google Images, um, there are some amazing images of Victorian ghost costumes and things like that. Also, spirit photographs were very popular and the, in general, the Victorians just loved anything spiritual. Now, this doesn't really have anything explicitly to do with Halloween and Halloween costuming, but I think it just gives us a little insight into what Victorian era people in the West were really obsessed with at the time. And that obviously would have fed into their desire and their want to dress up all spooky. <laughs> We know that the Victorians in America explicitly just dressed up for normal parties anyway, especially the rich and famous. They would dress up in a multitude of different costumes, not even just for Halloween. So it made complete sense, at least, that these two things would carry over and your average costume party would be celebrated on Halloween. And it started to become a festival in itself that was popular. Costuming from this sort of Victorian and early 1900s era is really, really interesting in style because you've got the over-exaggerated feminine Gibson girl silhouette that we know from sort of day-to-day -day fashion, but in a much more explorative way. For example, someone dressed as a butterfly or as a bat or something similar, but they would still have a Victorian shape and style and silhouette. So some really, really cool costumes emerged. However, in the late 1800s, there was a move in America to make Halloween a festival about community and neighborly get-togethers, as opposed to adult spiritualism and partying, pranks and witchcraft. Thus, this fed into new traditions rising in the 1900s that saw Halloween become about parades and town-wide parties for both children and adults. These parties focused on games, food and family costumes. It was also in these festivals in which the children slowly started to become the centre for the festivities and had the chance to dress up. It was through the influence of these parades and festivals that city councils and churches and local towns, for example, wanted to create activities that were 
specifically children-led and with the children in mind. By the 20s, Halloween had become a very family-fun, community-based time of year, which is when we see the start of trick-or-treating becoming really, really popular in around the 30s or 40s. Trick-or-treating was likely a way to keep the younger kids off the streets and out of trouble and away from teenage pranksters, which were on the rise at these parades in the 20s and 30s. So by the 50s, trick-or-treating was a hugely popular and largely inexpensive way for communities to come together and celebrate the time of year. So again with this in mind, costumes had a very specific imagery. They were obviously handmade in the early 20th century, think 20s and 30s, at this point probably by parents, and ghouls and ghosts and witches and things like that were still very, very prevalent as costumes. I think nowadays we really associate Halloween with almost a way to dress up as our favourite characters from pop culture. Obviously costumes like ghosts and ghouls are still popular today, but it really seems to be more saturated by, for example, Scooby-Doo or Pulp Fiction and things like that, things with really iconic imagery. It was into the 40s and 50s with Hollywood being so prevalent in American consciousness that this pop culture influence would have started to rear its head. But I'll get into that in a bit. We're doing this chronologically. <laughs> Costumes were still made inexpensively by parents or the children themselves and they weren't really bought in the way that they are now. In the 1920s you can see a series of books published for parents to explain how to make homemade costumes of certain types from crepe paper and things like that. These were called bogey books, B-O-G-I-E. Pictures of these homemade costumes are some of the ones that you see circulated on the internet all the time, just because of how homemade they look. Obviously, because they're black and white now, we think they're really scary, but at the end of the day, most of these are just kids. But by the looks of these, they're often made of paper or paper mache or various things you could find in your home, and they often involve masks of some description. Masks were actually a very, very popular element of trick-or-treating and Halloween costumes um, in the early 20th century because the idea was to hide your own self so that people didn't know who was trick-or-treating and it was sort of part of the spooky element. So often you will see these costumes aren't about a specific character or a specific thing like a witch or a ghost. They're just sort of a mask of some description that is supposed to look a bit scary. However, in the 1930s you can see a change happening. For example, on my Instagram, Silhouettes Podcast, I'm going to put up a photo of a little girl in the 30s dressed up with a Mickey Mouse mask, which sums it up nicely. I found this on history.com, which has a great art on the history of trick-or-treating which is where I got a lot of information from but it's at this time that we start to see cartoon characters becoming very popular in the American consciousness and so naturally children then wanted to dress up as these favorite characters Mickey Mouse and Minnie are one of these that you see circulated a lot Moving into the 40s and 50s, you saw pop culture becoming much more prevalent in the world and in America especially, with comic books, with kids movies, with cartoons. And so it sort of feels like a natural progression to me at least that these things started to become popular costumes. A company called Ben Cooper started to notice how popular Disney and Mickey Mouse was becoming. And with the creation of the Snow White movie, they started to make costumes for these kids. They were probably quite ahead of the curve, realising that Halloween was coming up and it was a popular festival at this point. And so kids would want to start dressing up as these characters, which were becoming more and more popular. I found out that Ben Cooper actually became one of the biggest Halloween corporations in America in the 50s all the way to the 80s. So it seems that they really set the precedent for what sort of Halloween costumes people wanted and the sort of costumes that people were wearing. Leslie Bannatyne, who is a Halloween academic, shall we say, says... 
As Halloween became more about entertaining children and keeping children occupied, the costumes became things that children enjoyed. As she says, costumes became things that children might have seen and enjoyed rather than abstract expression of night. As she explains, Halloween costumes had been geared towards spooky themes as opposed to current events. There would be moon symbols, darker fabrics and stuff like that. Anything that would replicate something dark and otherworldly. But this changed in the 30s, as I said. Now, of course, the Great Depression would have had a real effect on costuming in the early 30s, but it was into the 40s and the Second World War that really, really had an influence on Halloween and trick-or-treating. For example, due to rationing in the 40s, sugar consumption was at an all-time low, so kids were not able to trick-or-treat in the way that perhaps they had been in the mid-30s, and shortages of fabric and clothes meant that a lot of kids weren't able to have the costumes that they wanted. We were kind of going back to this homemade style, and I think it really meant that the popularity of trick-or-treating for kids diminished. However, this meant that costuming moved from something seen as childish and went back to sort of its original birthplace as something for adults, with pin-up cards being so, so popular for the men at war during this time period. These pin-up cards starting to dress up especially for Halloween in sexy Halloween costumes, things sexy witch, sexy ghost and sexy vampire. And it was this change that sort of influenced the general public. Women then started to want to replicate these sexy costumes that they would see on the pin-up cards, while also wanting to replicate what they were seeing in Hollywood and in the media. With these influences, Halloween became not just a thing for little kids to celebrate with trick-or-treating and festivals, but also something for adults. And as we know, the austerity of the 40s in America specifically fed into the desire for perfection and the white picket fence lifestyle, and the middle class became much more prevalent in the 50s and 60s, with people having more money, more means and better jobs than they had in previous years. Obviously, this cannot be said for everybody, but the middle class specifically. With this new income spurred a much, much bigger interest in Hollywood, not just in the movies, but in the culture as well. People started to be able to afford nice things and they could afford to go to the movies or the pictures. And people could also afford televisions in the 50s. And this meant popular culture and the media with specific characters and things like that became a huge part of American society. Consumerism was big and so naturally Halloween became too. So obviously, with pop culture and consumerism being a huge part of American society for the middle class at this time period, we see a lot of really interesting costumes emerging. We also see slightly more modern costumes being worn at Halloween, with the combination of these two things was a huge influence. Think, for example, of the influence of Disney, the popularity of space-inspired pop culture, cowboy and western movies. All of these influences gave way to the style of costumes that really we know today. However, there is something that I want to mention here. Racist and very inappropriate costuming started to emerge again, as had happened in the past. But with the stronger influence of pop culture, there saw another rise in instances of blackface and other wildly insensitive racist and inappropriate costumes. This was popularised for the day-to-day person in the mid-century due to the influence of pop culture most likely. Think about how popular cowboy and western movies were. With this, people started to appropriate the dress of Native Americans and Indigenous people, for example. A lot of popular Hollywood movies were also set in the East, and the influence of food brands even, for example Aunt Jemima, became costumized as well. You can see that these sort of costumes were advertised to both adults and children, and were fairly prevalent in the general repertoire of Halloween costumes in the mid-century. Obviously, we now know this is just completely inappropriate and absolutely upsetting that it's something that I have to bring up in this episode. 
But I just wanted to give it a brief mention because I think it's something that is important to talk about and was a really big influence at this time. I also needed to mention it because if you are interested in looking up some of these images of early costumes or watching footage of people trick-or-treating and things like that, be aware that these images are quite triggering upsetting for us to see today. But talking about the influence of Hollywood in popular culture, there was definitely a huge rise in costumes centred around characters, political individuals and other people and celebrities who were popular at the time. Halloween now became centred around an opportunity to dress up as certain individuals and latex masks began to be sold and advertised as a quick and easy way to do so. At this time, we also saw a rise of hammer horror movies and the popularity of characters such as Dracula and Frankenstein and all of the above. As we know, prior to this, in the 1800s and early 1900s, the popularity of costuming was ghosts and ghouls and witches and spooky things like that. And so with the popularity of movies and television and popular culture being such a big part of American society, in the mid-century, it was natural that these two things would combine to create some really iconic Halloween costumes. The character design for some of these Hammer Horror characters and in the movies themselves were just exceptional. Think about Creature of the Black Lagoon, designed by a woman, I might add, as well as Frankenstein's monster and Christopher Lee's Dracula. Masks were obviously still really popular and an easy way to have a Halloween costume, much like in the 20s, as I said. However, these were no longer just homemade efforts, and a lot of companies started to make masks out of latex with new technology, and these masks would often be based off of these popular Hammer Horror characters. This is really where you start to see the rise of costuming on the whole. You no longer had to make everything yourself. You could just go into a shop, find a latex mask of the character you wanted from these movies, and this slowly fed into masks being made not just of horror characters, but an array of people. With the ease and development of this new technology, masks were no longer those sharp plastic ones with a bit of elastic around the back, as they were prior to this era and some of the ones that Ben Cooper made in the 30s. Women also had fairly prominent roles in these Hammer Horror movies. Think about The Bride of Frankenstein. And we also had popular TV shows that had the same imagery, such as The Addams Family and The Monsters. There are so many areas for people to pull from for these costumes, so it made complete sense that in the 60s specifically, that these costumes really, really took off. There was just so many ways in which you could dress up or create a costume for yourself. Characters from the Adams Family, for example, also allowed a rise in the sexy female Halloween costume to come back. And I think this coincided quite a lot with the second wave of new wave feminism. In the 60s, we also had the influence of not only female characters, but of comic book characters, both male and female. And there were a huge amount of TV shows in the 60s based on this topic. Think about the Batman TV series, for example. Naturally, people would want to start replicating these iconic outfits themselves on Halloween. It was really great fodder, to be honest. <laughs> this sees us nicely into the 70s. Halloween and Halloween costuming was now a very well-established and very popular holiday in America. And dressing up was a huge part of American culture. It was no longer just for children or just for adults, but was something that everybody celebrated. The 70s also saw a rise of B-movie horror, and Halloween the movie, for example, had a huge role in catapulting the popularity of Halloween. This is a horror movie literally set on Halloween night with a hugely iconic costume for the main antagonist, Michael Myers, who we all know and love. <laughs> However, naturally, and especially in America, the changing ideals in the 70s of what was appropriate regarding modesty and femininity and different styles of fashions becoming a bigger part of American mindset are really interesting in terms of Halloween costumes. Think 
more androgynous fashions. Compare the image of the sort of 1950s housewife to the 1970s woman with her long straight hair and her flares. It's a very, very different image and it's explained by the changing cultural ideals. Of course here I'm generalizing a lot and as with everything, this is not the case for every single individual and every woman in the 50s and the 70s. But I think just as a general image and what we know today as the silhouettes and the fashions that supplant this time period, they're wildly, wildly different. So with this, Halloween became a huge way for people to express themselves in fashion and the lines were now blurred with what was okay to wear in public. Clubs and bars naturally then saw the value of this and there was a huge glut of Halloween nights and parades for adults in the 70s. Shops and companies saw this as an opportunity to make money from the popularity for adults and started to make affordable and easily accessible sexy Halloween costumes. Mina Lay's video shows some great videos clips and photos from this area if you want to see some visuals of this. With this in mind, I want to talk about Halloween in the 70s for the LGBTQ plus community in America. It was illegal at this time to be basically anything but straight and dressing as someone from the opposite gender or sex was an illegal offence. So naturally with this, Halloween had become a way in which these individuals were finally able to express themselves publicly just for one day of the year. And this may have had a huge effect on the general popularity of Halloween at this time. It was a day that everybody could do what they want without fear of judgment. It was almost encouraged to dress as flamboyant and dramatic as you possibly could. And it wouldn't matter if you were a man dressed as a woman or vice versa, because that was in the spirit of the holiday. It's just a shame that this idea wasn't able to carry on for the rest of the year, but you know, that's how it was at this time period, unfortunately. But it was in the 80s that really, really Halloween became iconic, in my opinion at least. <laughs> By this point, it really was an institution. I don't really think Halloween had crossed the pond let's say into the UK, for example, at this time. I spoke to friends and family who had lived experiences of Halloween in the 70s and 80s. And according to them, it just wasn't really such a cultural thing. It was something you watched in American movies, but trick-or-treating, for example, just wasn't something that people really did. However, it was absolutely a part of life in America. This is when those really strange and iconic sheet costumes came back. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was basically a plastic bin bag like tunic that was printed with images or an outfit of a kid's favorite character. And it had one of those sharp plastic masks to go with it. These were characters like Strawberry Shortcake, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman and things like that. This kind of style may have come back from the 20s where sheet tunic um, dresses were popular made of crepe paper for a few reasons. Perhaps the popularity of Halloween meant that kids had a host of events to go to over the season and this was an easy way for them to have multiple costumes. Or perhaps the economic climate meant that these were cheap ways for a child to represent their favourite character. Or maybe it was that big companies realised the popularity of Halloween in the 80s and were cashing in with these simple, cheap costumes to profit from this holiday. Either way, these outfits are really con iconic and really just sum up the era and show us what was popular for children, at least. These, I think, were also quite gendered. Like I said, you had either Batman or Strawberry Shortcake. And I'm not sure how much this really crossed. But obviously, as we know, for kids, at least in the 80s, popular culture was huge. There were so many movies, cartoons, TV shows like He-Man and She-Ra. And there was something for everybody at this time. So it completely makes sense that you saw just a glut of these types of costumes become popular. And kids then had the chance to very easily 
wear whatever they wanted for whatever character they wanted. It's quite interesting. I couldn't really find much information on Halloween costume for adults in the 80s. There wasn't really anything particularly iconic that stood out to me. Basically, I think the pop culture slash sexy Halloween costume was just still a very, very popular thing. And it hasn't really faltered from that, to be honest. Now, into the 90s, I sort of lived through the 90s. And I can't say I remember Halloween really being a thing in the UK for me until the 2000s. However, as with the 80s, but with the 90s, in America, it was huge. We saw a huge, huge rise in Halloween movies, Hocus Pocus, Casper, Halloween Town. And these were popular not only in the US, but everywhere. This is probably how Halloween later into the era started to rise in popularity, not just in America. As people saw what America was doing and went, well, yes, please, <laughs> in the UK especially. Of course, Halloween around the world was celebrated in its own way, I'm sure. Think Day of the Dead in Mexico. But I'm focusing really on the Americanized version purely because I think that's what has become our reference point for Halloween. Think pumpkins, Sanderson sister costumes, trick-or-treating and candy corn. Now, this next part of the 90s is not just going to be my lovely voice <laughs> narrating some history for you. I actually had a chat with my friend who is an American from the Midwest. And he just kind of chatted to me about his experience living through the 90s at Halloween and the sort of things they got up to and specifically the sort of costumes he remembers wearing. So let's get on. So now I'm joined with Nick Ellsworth, academic and fellow Halloween lover. <laughs> and we're just sort of going to have a little chat about our lived experiences of Halloween and Halloween costuming. Nick is an American. So his experience of Halloween is going to be a lot better than mine in childhood in the sort of 90s and 2000s, because it wasn't such a thing in my experience as a child until quite later. But I think 90s America Halloween is really supplanted in our It's really where consciousness. It <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's an institution, Halloween it, over there. Yeah, it really a is. institution. And there's so many movies and iconic costumes and images that you get from that time period. We just don't really have that here. It's all very inspired by mm -hmm. 90s, happening in America. Disney, Halloween. Yeah. Halloween Town or the Phantom <sighs> of the Megaplex, which was like this uh, weird 90s. <laughs> It was this weird 90s take of the Phantom of the Opera, except oh. it was um, inside a movie theater. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, it's probably pure trash, but I loved it. <laughs> it's the era that gave us Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, iconic. Mm. Halloween Absolutely. Town was always one of mine. Yeah, I loved Halloween Town. But I feel like that's interesting because it's very like ghosts and ghouls. The costumes are very mm -hmm. cartoony, whereas yeah. compared to something with Hocus Pocus, which is very much... Borderline could be scary if you're a certain age, but yeah. Halloween Town was never going to be scary no I think if I'd watched Hocus Pocus when I was a kid I didn't watch it until I was about a teenager but if I'd watched it when I was a kid, I'd have been traumatized mm -hmm. really would have scared me <laughs> like I mean I was quite a scary cat as yeah. a child everything scared me but that would have really freaked me out yeah I remember going home um and being so excited because they called it on the Disney channel which uh -huh. was channel 60 um, <laughs> <laughs> unlocking those memories um, they called it the 31 Nights of Terror, but it was like oh. all cheesy Disney 90 movies. So uh. every evening there was things, there was, um, 
obviously all the Halloween towns. Mm. Um, there was this one called the Tower of Terror, which was 90s does 1940s, but by Disney. That's not on Disney Plus. I want to watch that so bad. It's, it's bad. not available. It has a very young Kristen Dunst in it, uh-huh. uh, and Steve Gutenberg. And yeah. it's in a haunted hotel, and they basically have to like solve a murder before history repeats itself. And it's so cheesy. But there's this one scene in it where I remember being terrified because it's an apparition of her dancing in the rain. And for mm. some reason it just scared the, it just freaked you out. It just freaked me out. I couldn't go into our basement for like weeks, <laughs> <laughs> even though it was a basement with like Florida ceiling windows and yeah. it was a light room. I was like, no, like, no, can't do this. See, we have the haunted mansion. Yeah. The Eddie Murphy one. Yeah. I was about 10 when that came out and we watched that at sleepover. Home mm-hmm. sleepover. And everyone wanted to dress up as like, a ghost bride after that because we just loved it because yeah. we didn't have much Halloween stuff yeah. so that was like a, I know it's not a Halloween movie explicitly but it kind of is of the yeah. season and so it was like something we could replicate I remember yeah. everyone wanted to and then obviously Mean Girls come along and she's a a zombie like bride or a cat no I'm a mouse sorry <laughs> yeah and they're like why are you dressed so scary yeah <laughs> but the, and everyone then at that time everyone just wanted to be a zombie bride which is really interesting like our it costumes is. are so affected by by films by those films I think remembering the 90s and everything because um, I was definitely in school in the 90s and everything mm. uh, when I remember going like October we'd always have like costume parties and like always the Friday before Halloween mm. unless Halloween fell on like during the week then it'd be on actual Halloween you'd go to school in the morning um, as you normally would and then class would be cancelled the whole day because you'd go to each class and your rota like you normally would Mm. but if you're going to math class it'd be like spooky math class and so um, good. the teachers would dress up in Halloween costumes all day long and the teachers had decorated their classrooms for the whole month and everything yeah I'm sure this was an elementary school so like they went a little bit more extra mm. um, so how old are you like seven eight seven eight mm. nine yeah yeah I was 10 in 2000 mm. so okay. I remember like the end of it mm. and you go to your classes and it was always just like it was a constant Halloween party and then at the end of the day, the last like hour of the day, they had the whole school come out into the playground and there was a parade and it like started with like the kindergartners and like mm. they would walk up to like the first grade class and get all the first graders. And they'd also like form this long cube, just like everyone in the Halloween costumes. That's so good. And they paraded <laughs> through the playground so and all your parents were there and everything. We just did not have anything like that. Like such a big thing. Halloween was not a thing until I was about 10 or 11. It was great because our parents would get off work early. They'd come mm. pick us up from the Halloween party at school and then take us trick-or-treating. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, my sister remembers going trick-or-treating and my brother, but they're, you know, 10 years younger than me. But we just didn't, we didn't really trick-or-treating wasn't really a thing like it was such a big thing for us um i mean in the neighborhood i grew up in they would pedestrianize the roads mm. only on that evening yeah sure um, but like from like four o'clock in the afternoon onwards they pedestrianize mm. the roads until about 11 p.m so that way everybody could just kind of walk across the streets and everything yeah. and everybody would decorate their houses it was like it was almost a competition to see who could have the biggest decorated halloween house yeah, and stuff. Sure. my dad really went over the top every year and built like a big graveyard in the front yard it was Love like it. He carved tombstones and like we made a lot of wood and painted them and everything. Mm. But yeah, that's just so good. Is there like a specific costume that you remember wearing or someone wearing that is really like supplanted? I remember all my costumes. Yeah, sure. Okay, I remember being Winnie the Pooh for four years in a row. (laughs) (laughs) How? 
I don't know. You saw me out just word. No, I had the whole, it was a whole costume that you stepped into. Oh my God, like a onesie, honey. It was a onesie, basically. Oh, and so um, I ended up wearing it until the, like, until the feet had been cut <laughs> off and it was like at my knees. Oh. Um, I, and I couldn't even tie it up anymore in the back. I loved that costume. Okay. Um, I also was a skeleton once, mm-hmm. which was the same kind of thing. A onesie it was all painted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being like the mid nineties, I had like, there must've been something in pop culture because everybody was vampires and now it's a vampire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I also want to what clarify. came out? Interview of a Vampire? Did maybe. that come out in the night? That was a bit, that maybe was the a bit. 90s. Yeah. But that would have been a bit old. I would have thought I'm teenagers. Thinking like, I'm thinking like third grade, fourth grade, which yeah. was like 1997, 1998. The little vampire. Maybe. And did that come out? It's really, this is really interesting actually because at the beginning of the episode you talk yeah. about like that kind of thing how you can tell what was popular at a time based on Halloween mm-hmm. costumes like what people were scared of what was really popular what yeah. people were interested in I remember in third grade all my friends so were vampires yeah how um, funny so I remember the teacher lining up all the boys in the classroom because mm-hmm. I think with the exception of like two of us all of us were vampires <laughs> I also want to clarify that I remember wearing black trousers a white button up and mm-hmm. then the black wig that my dad had bought me because I thought you need to have black hair. Yeah. I don't think my dad paid attention because he bought a Betty Page wig. Oh. So I'm up there with a Betty Page wig, the blood bangs. You have, to, you have to bring that back this Halloween. That has to be your costume. I have to. It has to be done. But as you were so saying good. about like films and things, I remember going for one year as Zorro because the mask of Zorro. Yeah, because the movie came out. Sure, and sure. Again, all the boys in my class went as Zorro. Mm. So yeah, it's so interesting. Like I think when costumes became a thing, I was I found out that you didn't really wear what something that was popular. You just had a homemade like ghost or yeah. like it was really like makeshift spooky kind of things yeah. like bats and things like that but then once pop culture became a thing that was almost swept aside and it's like yeah. you dress up as a character and I think the way we see Halloween now is it's always well who are you dressing up as mm-hmm. what character are you dressing up as like on Instagram oh gosh, you see yeah. so many looks oh, Eleven yeah. from Stranger Things do you remember? Yeah and that I came out especially in university so being at university in the early 2000s mm. like October rotated around like Halloween parties and yeah. always being different costumes and mm. things. I don't really ever remember doing that. It wasn't until I was a bit older. When we were younger, it was just like the devil or like yeah. a witch or... I think the interesting thing is like, I remember like kind of seeing a transition from like throughout high school and university mm. of people sort of like having like a specific character. Mm. It also could have just been the crowd that I ran around with. Um, yeah, true. But they ended up, it just became more of kind of like a theme almost. Like... Mm. I mean, a lot of my friends are involved in theater and stuff, so they had access to, like, the theater department. Mm-hmm. But their Halloween costume would be kind of like um, a 1920s person. So nobody in particular, but just but somebody just, dressed in 20s clothing. Sure, or yeah. here's somebody in a crinoline, they're a Victorian. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, their costume was just going as something, not necessarily as, like, a particular. Mm-hmm. So not even something scary, just, like, a costume. Just a straight-up costume. Yeah, it's that's interesting, isn't it? That it just seemed to start with really mm-hmm. scary things and then slowly yeah. just becomes whatever, I, I, just a costume yeah. like i haven't been in america for a halloween for like probably seven years now um, mm. so i don't know what it is now but i think yeah my definite impression the last time i was there was that it was just becoming a basically a, a month of like fancy dress parties which i love that absolutely great i'm all about it but we want some spooky too yeah like we want a bit of spookiness or dress up as a pumpkin or something yeah something slightly relevant or autumnal mm-hmm. like yeah something yeah. i think i used to dress up and then my parents would take me out Mm-hmm. to a meal when I was like younger like we do something but it was never like a big thing but then 
in like the late 2000s, so say like 2000, or no, kind of mid 2000s, like 2004, five is when I really noticed it. But I was a bit too old for it by that point. See, we were still, me and my friends at school were trick-or-treating when we were like 14. Oh, same. Because we were like, we've not had this for very long. We're still still going for it. But we had real like makeshift, like witch, ghost. We didn't really dress up as like Mm. characters. And I don't ever really remember doing that. That wasn't such a thing here, I don't think, until I guess the American influence started to come in a bit yeah. later. But yeah, like my brother was a scary clown once, or like Mad Professor, like, you know, those really yeah. cheesy Halloween things. They yeah. weren't, I don't know, they were very Vampire basic. Yeah, or Adam's Family was one of the only ones I remember. I love. We all went as the Adams family once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like Wednesday Adams was big. But like that's one of the only character ones that I remember because that movie did definitely make the cro- the, the crossover. The crossover, yeah. It became really popular. And it's still so quotable. Like people can quote it I all love the time. That movie. I watch it every year and I just yeah. love it. And I my parents looked it. a lot like <laughs> looked a lot like uh, Morticia and, and so that was always really fun like we've got some really good photos of them when I was a kid that was always their costume every year they'd be some sort of vampire Adams family yeah. because everyone was like it looks like good you have to do it again that's great <laughs> but before that they just wasn't really a thing when I was really younger like my was, parents used to have big Halloween parties uh, and it was always like the weekend before Halloween yeah. because all of their friends had kids and everything obviously mm-hmm. so they couldn't do it when they had to take their children out but I remember my parents would always like nobody could bring their kids that was like their only rule like this okay. is the adults only party <laughs> yeah so my mom and dad would take me to my grandparents house for that evening mm. um, but they'd always let me see them in their Halloween costumes first and I remember my mom because at the time I mean she was in her 30s and she went as I think Elvira I think for every year of her 30s so good this <laughs> <laughs> like so little good. petite 5 foot 2 mm. like size 4 natural platinum blonde hair yeah. with like a black wig and like great <laughs> I think yeah she went as Elvira I think for every year it's quite easy and iconic though like yeah. you put on the specific wig you do the yeah. the eye makeup and you wear that dress and you're like yeah. Elvira you just know like exactly they definitely seem to be the ones that get popular and stay popular the mm-hmm. costumes that like Morticia Adams is just yeah. easy to do like you don't see Hocus Pocus is iconic and the costumes are great and they're so Halloween and you see a lot of drag queens doing drag yeah but you don't but see you don't really see people outside of that yeah like I don't really see many looks online or people actually going to these parties dressed as those characters even if they love the film because you yeah. just have to do so much like there'd be so many things do you know what I want to do for Halloween now I think I want to wear just like skinny acid wash jeans mm. a white tank top and an oversized flannel shirt and I'm just gonna go as Max <laughs> perfect like, I'm Max you just need a little black cat absolutely you're be like, it's easy but yeah I think that's why there are certain characters like in pop culture that have come out recently that get popular like yeah. Eleven from Stranger Things you just need a pink 80s dress mm-hmm. converse and a, a wig and some blood in your nose yeah. and then it's like oh I know who you are like it's really interesting to see like as much as people want to dress these in these big crazy characters probably mm-hmm. they just they're not the ones like squid game this year there's gonna be so many people dressed as that like yeah. doll i haven't seen it but something guaranteed I, something i remember from when i was in university it was at the time of the actually i really lucked out because like my last year of high school was at the 2008 olympics oh, okay and yeah, then sure. so the 2012 olympics was when i was in university mm. and a lot of friends went as like olympians Oh. which at that time was like isn't recognizable like I remember this guy coming to a party and he was like he was extremely attractive I won't lie um, <laughs> he was very fit he had the abs and everything and he came so to the party so it was inevitable he came to the party in um, a speedo and he just had gold medals around his neck <laughs> and everyone's like, everyone's like oh it's Michael Phelps that makes sense um, now you'd be like who the hell is this <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, how funny. I think all my American friends and stuff, like we would start talking about our Halloween costumes at like the end of August because we had to save our money to like yeah, yeah, buy Yeah, because you wanted to do it properly. Yeah. Like we were allowed to be a bit makeshift. I think that yeah. is kind of the, the Brit way. Like everything's allowed to be a bit rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of adds to the charm. Especially but. when you're in your 20s and your teens, you're going to a Halloween party every single weekend. So you've got to impress. So you're probably going to like a Halloween party on Friday night and on Saturday mm. night. And like, mm. I was a bit lazy. I just wore the same costume for the whole month. So I, I made a bad sure. decision that committed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I had girlfriends that every week they're a different outfit. I used to always have Halloween. a Halloween party. In my friend group, I'd be the one that hosted the closest to Halloween. Uh, um, yeah. Because I didn't have any roommates. So I lived alone in this, um, in this house. So just kind of like, yes, I can have people <laughs> And I would go so over the top. Like I put pockets everywhere and had like cobwebs over everything. Thing yeah. and orange lights and I'd buy purple lights for the windows and so good yeah, yeah we just didn't really with specific Halloween playlists as well mm. spooky music to dance to yeah yeah like my parents always really ever since my brother was younger they really really went for it like we, mm-hmm. we would be like the only house on the street that had a full front garden yeah I don't know they do a different theme every year yeah. and people would love it and I'm like why is everyone not doing this yes everybody should why be doing everyone this everyone should be doing this <laughs> yeah, if just... I run for office my thing will be make holiday decorating mandatory yeah you have to <laughs> at Christmas you have to have fairy lights and at yes. Halloween you have to have at least a graveyard yes I want something. to see pumpkins <laughs> pumpkins yeah. okay so next year when we're not in a pandemic hopefully yeah. I'm not throwing a Halloween party you, you thought about it I've thought about it What's I've decided no you know what I'm going back to my parents house over the <laughs> summertime and I'm gonna go because they don't put up Halloween stuff any longer yeah because the kids all live in different countries yeah. and different states um and also they're no longer married come um, <laughs> over just for this <laughs> luckily my mom has kept all the Halloween decorations I'm just gonna go back over the summer and I'm gonna like gonna... dig through that box so they're all from the 90s that would be so good and the early 2000s you and need or maybe I'll put them in my carry-on a 90s over. Halloween party everyone has to what if would you dress like the year you were born so I'm going to dress like 1990. Okay. Mm, mid-90s for me, it's not quite as exciting. What could I do? Dress like the decade you were born in, because then it's all going to be 80s and 90s. Sure. <laughs> well, then probably Christina Ritchie from Casper. Can I keep you? <laughs> my fa- that was one of my favorite Halloween's. I think, um, you know when Casper so becomes sad. a boy for like a hot second? Yeah. I was at the right age, where that was, I think, my first crush. I think he was mine, too. I yeah. was about four, and I was like, I don't care, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him for years, and then also Hanson. Oh, It was yes. like a real look for the 90s, but yeah, Casper. Mm. Casper is a, is a real boy. And then he becomes a ghost again, and you feel a bit weird, because yeah. he's a cartoon, but... I also love that part in the movie where they see him like as a boy that's floating in the air and then he becomes a ghost and him just looking at them going, boo, is what actually scares them. Yeah, he just goes, like, boo. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> I love the movie. Okay, so to round off, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I tried to do something a little bit different to my usual format. I quite like the idea of splicing the more formal element of just me sat talking with me just having a chat to somebody whose knowledge and information is relevant to the episode. So if you liked that, do head over to my Instagram at Silhouettes Podcast and let me know what you thought. If you have any feedback, I'm always open to it and I love to hear what people have to say. So yeah. (laughs) 
In terms of the topic for this episode, I tried to just basically go through a little bit of chronology to explain how Halloween costuming has evolved to what it is that we know today. As I said before, there is also a lot of nuance that I didn't really focus on and I probably did miss out because that would just be almost a whole other episode in itself. There is obviously a conversation to be had there about what is appropriate as a costume and what in the past was seen as a costume and something that was appropriate to wear that now we know definitely is not and who we we will harm out of creating certain costumes and how we will harm them. There are a lot of great resources out there that is not me. <laughs> if you want to educate yourself on this a little bit more, for example, That Single Mum on Instagram has recently written an article about it and she has a lot of really great resources on her page about the appropriateness of costuming and who is being harmed in the process. So go have a look over there if that's something you do want to know a bit more about and just educate yourself on more. We're all learning and it is a process and there are some amazing resources out there currently and we're all growing basically. So yeah, head over there if you want to know more. But I'll leave it there and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a little bit about the roots of costuming and why it's basically a part of fashion history and what studying these costumes, good or bad, can tell us about a certain era. It can tell us, like I said, what is appropriate, what people are scared of, what people see as something to be replicated, what people are interested in. And again, the sort of economic and political background of a certain time period, particularly in America and in the West with that i hope you enjoyed again head over to my instagram silhouettes podcast for any feedback i'd love to hear from you and stay fab everyone bye